wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome back to Auto Off Topic. How goes it, Brad? Andrew, it goes wonderful. Cool. We missed a week. We missed a week there, and for that, our sincerest apologies. Yeah, sorry. The free content was shut off for a week. Yeah, it's been uh, busy times. Busy times. I had a bunch of stuff going on, and you had a bunch of stuff going on, and uh, here we are. So. Yeah, and unfortunately, time. What's that? a lot of it wasn't car related. Oh, I had okay. car related stuff. I, mean, I had some car related stuff, but I mean, a lot of my I, time, I, w- I went to a bunch of concerts last week. It was weird. It was like I was I, 20 years younger. Oh, I mean, I had time to do car stuff, so I took that time. Very cool. Well, it's about time because it's been winter time there, and now it's not, so now you can do car stuff. So we're happy. That's right. Now, I went to concerts last Tuesday and last Saturday. And then a baseball game last night. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. Been busy. I went to see two movies Whoa. last week. Like, it's been a Whoa. busy. We were just talking about it. Like, we're sitting home, and Naomi was lamenting going to the store to buy something for dinner. And I was like, "Don't. We've been going nonstop for like seven days. <laughs> like, just sit on the couch. We have enough food to figure out something for dinner. It'll be all right." So there's a little bit of car stuff got done. So we'll we'll get into that later. But yeah, it's been it's been busy because you know what? We're humans with lives, lives, lives. What? What movies? What movies are out right now? I went and saw Air, which is the Nike Michael Jordan story. Oh, right. Um, which I, is highly recommended. I went into it saying, how are a bunch of rich Hollywood douches going to make a movie about a bunch of rich corporate douches who use child labor to make millions of dollars and make me care about the characters? And uh, they pulled it off. Not going to lie. I was uh, fully invested. Even though I know how the story ends, I was fully into it the whole time. So yeah, the guy uh, owns a NASCAR team now. Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah. It's well, <laughs> a, a slight spoiler alert. It's about Michael Jordan, and he makes a lot of money. Um, the man makes four hundred million dollars a year passively because of his deal with Nike in like nineteen eighty six. Oh man, you gotta get that passive income. Four hundred million dollars <laughs> a year passive income. Yeah. So anyway, why doesn't he own um, all of NASCAR then? Right. That's that's just his Nike deal. That's not all the other money yeah. he makes. So I watched that, and uh, we also watched uh, a slight car related movie because all of them have a car in them. We watched the new um, John Wick movie. So. Oh yeah. Yes. It was uh, predictably violent and gory and gun play full. Not playful gunplay. I mean, full of gunplay. Part of those, the appeal of those movies that they just keep delivering the same movie over and over again. And I'm fine. Yeah. Just shut your brain off and watch it happen. The only disappointment I had this time was they went a little heavier on the CG. And it was obvious in a couple of spots. Like without spoiling the movie, there was a scene with cars. And every time a car hit one of the gunmen, it was the same black five series that they computer generated. Okay. But it was did supposed you, to be just like random traffic and it wasn't. Did you watch Nobody? Yes. That was just John yeah. Wick with a different actor. It's the, yeah, but it's the John Wick universe. Oh, is it? Yep. So that's why he drives a Barracuda? Mm-hmm. Because John Wick drives a Barracuda in this most recent John Wick movie. Also, which always made me upset that they wreck old muscle cars. 
But in this movie, that car was computer generated because they smash it like five times and it never has a dent. Oh. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. But nonetheless, the movie was quite entertaining. As John Wick movies are, just shut off your brain and go. So, And the concerts I saw were Spirit Box with... uh, Spirit Box was the headliner and they were opened by... After the burial, and then I saw Mastodon and Gojira. So, metal bands. Good times, though. Good times. Anyway, cool. Non car stuff. Moving on. What's the topic tonight, Andrew? What are you talking about? Well, there's never any topic lately, but I uh, I pulled the G20 out of storage for the winter. Excellent. Um, I'm getting ready for, I'm going to a track night in America tomorrow. I mean, car was pretty well set up. Tires were all low, the same amount. So like normal air loss. Um, it's got oil, it's got coolant. Oil's like, I don't know, I'll change it after this track day because I changed it kind of the middle of the summer last year. So uh, what else? It's, I threw the strut bar in the front. The oh, that is the what brand strut bar? Carbing? Carbing. Carbing. Like a Japanese brand, right? Yeah. It's like Enjoy Sports or something. I forget what it says on it. What are those fun Japanese? It's like Enjoy Motoring and Sports or something. Um, sports powered by sports. Yeah. It's in the rear one. I was like, oh, let me see how this goes in. And then. It's kind of weird. I think I have to take out the package tray and put it under it. Uh, I got to look into it more. I was like, you know what? I got to take the package tray off to the speakers. Uh, that's a later problem. I'll do that later. Ain't no make it time for that. Well, I got to like, it's annoying to get to it. I got to take the back seat out, but I'm like really fast at doing that now because <laughs> I had it out a couple times. And then I've got, uh, it was last year, the year before, I did the rear brake lines because that one was plugged, which was weird. I'd never seen that before. Yeah, it was making the ABS do weird things. It was making one of the brakes not work. Yeah. And then additionally, the ABS also didn't work at that time. Well, that was unrelated. Yeah. So I, uh, I never did the fronts. And I mispurchased braided lines on Bai thinking I was buying a set but I was only buying a single front one okay for like a hundred dollars it's a lot of money for a brake line <laughs> uh I mean they're endless they're like really nice like braided covered with a like our endless credit card payments to pay on <laughs> yeah. um endless is a two... storied like Japanese brand though like they still to this day sponsor like full Japanese touring cars yeah so, so the... that's cool stuff the fronts are identical. There wasn't a left and right. You could use them either way. They're kind of cool the way they were set up. Like, uh, you know, so you get the line where it transitions from the hard line on the car to the soft line. Then it goes down to like a piece that mounts the strut. Well, there's not. it's not the strut. It's the knuckle on this car. And then it goes over to the brake caliper. And in order to make it fit on both sides and also work with the banjo bolt because the factory banjo is like really tall or thick. It came with like a copper spacer and then three crush gaskets. So you like build it up with a spacer. Interesting. Or it's a brass spacer. So it was a well thought out, a well thought out package, which is why you buy a name brand like endless versus, you know, some off the shelf eBay part. Yeah. And then where it, um, the middle piece that, where it mounts to the knuckle is actually slidable on the hose. So it's not like the hose is split there. You can just slide it to where it fits. And then it had these two rubber pieces. So once you got the hose positioned the way you wanted it with the bends in it, uh, you slid the rubber pieces towards the metal bracket part. And then it had two little hose clamps, like spring clamps. You put over the rubber pieces and it holds the hose in place. Hmm. Yeah, really like finicky, but cool. 
Oh, I like it. That um, sounds like something that'd be very like a JDM part. They always have that like little extra, you know, little extra finished stuff to them versus buying a again generic eBay thing. And you may be like, but Andrew, you only did the front lines of the braided and the rears are not. Well, I've talked about this before. I think the G20, the brake bias is set up like insanely front bias. It's almost like 90% front. The rears basically do nothing. So I wasn't even worried about it because they're brand new, just OEM style rubbers in the back. Sure. And brand new lines are honestly totally fine. The fronts do all the work and I can actually, it's funny how you can really feel the difference when you do braided lines. Yeah, the pedal like surprisingly, pressure a lot, right? Huh? The pedal pressure changes. Yeah, you can feel it through the pedal. Like it's it's got a stiffer pedal. Yeah, I've it's weird. I've so one of my favorite cars, obviously, is my '78 Colt, the blue one, and yeah. it's just because it's fun. Like it doesn't have any. I don't know what it is about the car, but it's just a fun car. And one of the best things about the car has always been the brakes. And they just have a really nice like firm their power, but they almost feel manual like pedal feel. And I've wanted to change the brake lines in them for a while. And I just haven't done it. And I'm afraid to do it because of how good the brakes feel. <laughs> so I'm It'll afraid to make change them feel them. stiffer. Yeah. I'm hoping it does and not weaker, but the problem is that they're starting to show a little dry rot in the front ones. So I want to change them obviously before it becomes an issue because that's kind of a you know important thing to not have dry rot or brake lines. So I, See, I was just, I was, my, my brain was like, maybe they're stiff because they're dry rotted and hard and then we're going to put nice, nice new soft pliable lines in there and they're going to suck. <laughs> well, if somebody makes braided ones. It's a 78 Colt Ender. Nobody makes braided ones. Well, I mean, lines I can have, a, I can have them, I can have them made. Yeah. They're kind of universal ish. You can yeah. have them made if you know what the ends need to be. Yeah. I can and probably it does. Apart. Yeah. I mean, when you, Pressing the pedal, there's enough pressure that it does expand the rubber hoses. Oh, for sure. So just by eliminating that that expansion, it does make the pedal feel harder. Yeah. So and plus, yeah, anyway, that's that's on the upgrade list this uh, summer here is to do the the brakes in that car. So plus, when you're tracking and stuff's getting hot, it it doesn't it expands even less. So good stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then um, yeah, I was driving around a little bit. Seems to be good. We'll take it out tomorrow. Have some fun. I guess tomorrow's your track day, right? Where is the track day tomorrow? Lime Rock. Oh, that's cool. Have you done one there before? You have, right? I did one, yeah, two years ago now. I missed it last summer. And yeah, the first one I could have gone to the to Thompson. I was like, eh, I think I'll go to Lime Rock instead. Because <laughs> I've been yeah, to Thompson no, a bunch. They do a bunch of Thompson. They do fewer at Lime Rock. So I'm doing, I didn't set up one for June because I'm going to Nürburgring. That'll be my track day for the month. Hell of a track right. day. Um, yeah, that's a quite I'm a track doing day. Lime Rock this month. Next month, I'm trying mass tuning track days. Supposedly, they're pretty good. Okay. I'm doing a Saturday at Palmer, which I've never gone to, which is also known as like Whiskey Hill, I think they call it for some reason, but it's all up. Up, it's uphill and downhill, like switchbacks. Okay. Palmer's the one with like elevation change. Yeah, which I figured would probably be the best analog for like getting used to like Nurburgring. Okay. As far as like elevation changes and tight turns. And then, uh, then I'll go to the Nurburgring and then I got to figure out what I'm going to do in June and August and September. And the last one is like in October usually. So I try, I've been trying to do one a month. Because it's a pretty Excellent. decent amount of seat time for a single day. I still haven't done any, so we'll get there. We'll get there. Maybe this. Yeah, is I did the... that. Change oil in the Montero. Um, remembered why I hadn't changed oil in like three years. Because of the skid blades. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus, I hadn't driven it enough. It took me like three years to put. 3,000 miles on it. Actually, no, I think I changed it in 2019. So. That's a long time ago. It's four years ago, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, but I, I hadn't even really hit the mileage, I think, for the oil. And it wasn't using um, any that's, oil. 
when you have more than one car, that's kind of where it's at. Like, I don't, I don't know the last time I did oil change at three or 5,000 miles on a lot of my cars because they don't get driven that much. Well, and I don't, I'm not running the truck that hard, just yep. kind of cruising around. So I'm like, yeah, it's not that big deal. Like the G20, definitely haven't put a thousand miles on that oil, but I've been doing a bunch of track days. So I've been changing it every year. A little more often. Yeah. Oh, it's like I don't like the, the blue Colt. I I changed the oil when it got hot. But yeah. other than that, I've probably done 3,000 miles in the car in the past three years. So it is what it is. And currently, oh. the job that I'm working is a one-mile commute, so I don't put a lot of miles in my cars. I I need to do the oil change on Stephanie's car, but I I wanted... The only place that sells liquid molly is Napa, I found. Like, other yep, than like, going to Amazon or something. So I, you know, most Napas are independent, at least around here. We found they weren't in Phoenix, I think. They're, like, corporate-owned. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't, I don't I go don't, there because matter. the local Napa does has, like, is the most laughable of all the parts stores as far as automotive knowledge goes, which stinks because Napa has access to the most parts. Well, you can order stuff online yourself and pick it up in the store, which okay. is what I found and which which is what I did today. Uh, because and then I was checking out, and it said AAA membership, enter for discount. I was like, hmm. So I put it in because I happen to have one. Uh, it's like ten percent off. No, not terrible. No, and then I they have, have a rewards program, just like the other places. So yeah. I don't know. Next time we need a part at Napa, like look online first and then pick it up in the store. Yeah, I'll have to. I know their prices are not aggressive either. Here, they're overpriced here for sure. Yeah, so I don't know what it is out there, but well, I, you I should have, also I probably mean, just look stuff up online and order it in the store through the apps. Even for yeah, those generally you know, that's that's ever since yeah. the X, XR40 GMC story. <laughs> yeah. I've I've been I've been doing that. Um, it's just the only that only works when you think of it ahead of time. So, but I've I've been doing that, and honestly. So spoiler alert, we'll get into it later. The only thing I've been working on lately is a 1968 Mustang. So it's not like parts are difficult to find for that. So, Well, you might as well get into that because I'm all done with my project car updates. Oh, okay. You didn't touch the Q45 yet? No, I haven't taken the cover off of it yet. I got I to gotta get it out. Uh, it's been kind of raining. So I want to get it out, clean it. I take some more pictures oh, of it. I'm going to be there in like four weeks. So my rental car better be ready. It should be fine. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, I'll be gone. You can, you're welcome to it. Oh, you're not going to be there when I'm there? Uh, there'll be a little bit of overlap. We'll talk about it afterwards. Um, All right, excellent. Yeah, I want to, I want to get that car sold because I don't use it. Right. But Free anyway. up for different different stuff. Uh, yeah. So, project cars here in Phoenix. What has been worked on? So, I think I talked about the engine last podcast, right? Did I talk about breaking it down? Yeah. Okay. So I talked about breaking it down. Quick synopsis. It looked pretty clean. It was a 74 block, 72 Torino heads. It's a 302. It was bored 60 over. Uh, it had what looked like a pretty fresh cam with fresh lifters. It was a two barrel intake manifold for some reason. Um, but everything looked good. So we brought it to the machine shop. And I will shout them out because they were awesome. Uh, it's S&S Machine Shop here in Phoenix. Went down oh. to them. What's that? Like SNS machine shop and sale? Uh, actually, yeah. It's the same name, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, SNS machine shop here in Phoenix. Um, they're super cool. Naomi brought the parts down. I was not there. But when she talked to the guy, she told him everything that was going on, told him like what the plans were, what the engine was, where it came from, what we wanted to do. And he said that it would be probably two months to go through it. And we're like, whoa, it's a long time. Ooh. I expected like two weeks. Yeah. So anyway, maybe a week later, maybe even less. Uh, she got a phone call from the gentleman at the machine shop saying, all right, here's the deal. He goes, this engine is already bored 60 over. He goes, mm-hmm. a 302 board 60 over is about it. He goes, it's pretty clean looking. I 
don't even want to run any kind of like a hone through it just to clean it. He goes, cause it's already 60 over. He's like, it okay. doesn't look like it needed. There's no ridges. All the cross hatching looks fine. There's no major issues. Clearances on everything are good. Heads are good. He goes, but this block is not going to take much abuse. He said, so if you're planning on abusing it, you should probably not. So his exact words were, you can put it together. It will likely be fine. I don't want to see you spend any money on this block. He goes, it'll probably be fine. You know, it may leak, may smoke, who knows? He goes, but it'll probably be fine. No promises. Don't spend any money on anything that you can't take off and put on a different one later. He goes, and certainly don't try to put any kind of like real power adders or, you know, big cams or anything crazy in this. He goes, it's not worth it. So they did all that and checked everything. And he said, because of the situation with the block, he goes, I don't even want to charge you. He goes, so just keep us in mind for your next project. Whoa, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said. So she was like, what do you know about 20 hours? He goes, I love building those. Bring one by. So I'm going to bring it to an engine by the ham next. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, honestly, (laughs) like these guys are super cool. They're old school shop. And like, I mean, what's more honest than not charging us and telling us what's going on with it. Right. Like he still could have charged us for checking it out. I would have paid him. Well, like his, his probably worked because he's, you're going to give more business. He gained a customer. Yep. So we'll see what happens next. So anyway, so we have the engine back today, actually. So well, in the worst case, in, it's not that hard to find if you ever needed one. But honestly, the no. way you're going to drive the car, it'll probably last forever. And that's what I said. I think it's worth taking the chance because we're not building a hot rod. The plan wasn't to put a big cam in it or nitrous or turbos or superchargers or any of this stuff. It was just to put, you know, a nice, normal four barrel setup, which in our case is going to be the Holly Sniper, you know, TBI style four barrel. So it's not all those parts like he's talking about. They can be transferred to the new engine if there is a problem. Oh, did it have um, did it have valve seats set up for unleaded gas? Yes, it already does. All right, cool. So the heads are actually the heads aren't the issue. The issue is the block. So even right. if the whole thing goes down, like the heads are fine. So there's not a real issue with anything here other than just put it together, hope for the best. Again, it's a boulevard car. It's not a drag car, so it'll be fine. You know, the plan was to put a cam in it that was set up for roller rockers instead of the flat tappet style, just for longevity issues, just because yeah. it's, it makes sense. And even if I put a cam in it that's set up like that, I can transfer that over to the new engine too. Like it's not like it's a one-time use kind of deal, right? So I think we're still going to go with the with the roller rocker cam and just kind of go with it and put it together and hey if it works it works if it doesn't can't say we weren't warned right i mean what's it gonna make 250 horsepower i figure that the 74 block with the 72 heads and a more modern you know intake setup on it should probably be somewhere between 250 300 crank so probably 200 to 250 wheel which is not low stress for that engine yeah i mean it's not it's plenty for what we're looking for you know it's not and and those numbers might even be totally optimistic and i could be wrong and it could be a 180 horsepower engine i don't know like these the numbers back then were different i don't know much about v8s you know it's bone stock stuff but you know what a 72 302 was supposedly good for like 240 or 250 so I got to figure that a seven, a seven, even a 74 or 72 heads is going to be a similar power output because the big change didn't happen in the bottom end. It happened in the heads and the bottom end is bored over and it is clean. It is fresh. And if we have, you know, a proper fuel injection set up on it, that's compensating for elevation and, you know, air temp and moisture and all that stuff automatically, it's not going to be stressed it's gonna be running right it's gonna know it's not gonna ping it's not gonna knock i think the motor will probably last a long time (laughs) so and if it doesn't 
it's a learning experience. It's not a hard engine to rebuild. So in the anticipation of getting the engine back, actually before we even heard it was going to be a week, we decided that we were going to move the car to a more accessible area to work on. Um, this move had me questioning life choices, Andrew. Oh, yeah? Well, you saw where it was parked. I did. It was the last car in the line of all the cars. It sure so was. In order, in order to move it, I had to move the Porsche 944, XR4TI, the Corolla, the Blue Colt, the White Starion, and the Cressida. Now, last time you were here, we tried to make the Cressida run, and for some reason something stupid happened and it wouldn't run again, even though you right. put a bunch of time into it. I haven't bought that part yet, so that car still won't run, so that car had to be pushed. The Starion was driven into its parking spot. It runs, just not past 4,000 RPM. It would not start either. Put a battery in it out of another car so it was fresh, just wouldn't start. Super annoying. So that car had to be pushed. Took the battery out of the brown Corolla because it has the post in the right place to run the Starion. Somehow, in the process of that, broke all the wiring that goes to the electric fans. Really? On the Starion? No, on the Corolla. Oh, weird. Yeah. Is it so run I, off the battery? So... Kind of. I saw the giant you, thing. You saw like, the giant thing. Which I, I was like, oh, I'm not going to look over there anymore. I'm just going to look it, away. Listen, I didn't build it. All right. <laughs> it needs to be. It needs to be fixed. So I was actually looking on eBay the other day and I bought a big fuse block. So I can run all those accessories to a divorced fuse off the battery. So was do you remember the one a relay set up for that fan? Yes, there is a relay on the fan. Okay. okay. Yeah, 100%. And actually, when I hit the switch, I can hear the relay click. So I know that the problem lies on the relay to fan side, not the relay to switch side. So, but anyway, do you remember the um, fuse box setup we put in the Spaghetti Golf? Yeah. I bought one of those. Yeah, it's pretty so. standard. Yep. It, but it makes Just the like most a boat sense. fuse panel. Yeah, it'll clean up the battery terminals. It'll look less messy. Um, it'll be more reliable and more safe. So, I mean, the, the only things that are really on that that battery terminal there. So the car has an MSD box that's powered through there. It has mm. uh, the stereo that's powered through there. And it has a subwoofer that's powered through there, as well as the battery. The battery, excuse me, the fan. So there's four accessories that all have individual eyelets in that battery. And I figured since I broke it anyway, I might as well fix it better than it was. So that's all got to go down. It's going to have a nice new little fuse panel. All those things will be on individual circuits and there won't be any issue of potential fire in the future. So that's taken care of. It's not taken care of yet, but everything's ordered to do that swap. So. I think that will look nicer too under the hood, if I'm not mistaken. So, because it was the battery is pretty ugly, <laughs> battery terminal is pretty ugly. Mm. So anyway, we got everything taken care of. Also, obviously, we had to push the Mustang as well because it has no engine in it. Um, that being said, a engineless '68 Mustang weighs about as much as a completed '78 Colt, so it was very easy to push around. So, engineless muscle cars, very easy to move. So we got the car in a more uh, convenient place to work on it and started to say, all right, we need to buy. So our friend Joe built that 65, 66. I don't know, 65 or 66 Mustang notchback. Really bad. <laughs> yep. It's one or the other. The cars are very similar. There's not really much difference. Uh, and he had done his underhood area in this like semi-gloss black paint that looked super good and super factory. So I want to do our car the same way. So I was able to you know, talk to him and find out what he used. So in order to do that, obviously, we need to strip off the entire front of the car, the header panel, headlights, bumper, lower valance, fenders, and then all the accessories under the hood. So we started by unbolting all the accessories, you know, the starter relay, 
the washer fluid container, the overflow. Um, there's no radiator in the car, but there is a condenser because it was a factory AC car. So pull the condenser out, the wiper motor, the brake um, master cylinder. Uh, turns out this car has four-wheel manual drums, which I didn't realize. So that Ew. might be a... Uh, yeah, that might be a future upgrade. So we'll get Minimum, there. I do a front disc conversion. And that's what I was, was saying to do, is to do front disc. Because the manual brakes probably aren't terrible if they're functioning properly. But uh, I think that... Yeah, but the drums are like an on-off switch. It's really weird. That's what I mean. I, I think that running discs in the front will be a huge upgrade. The car's... Yeah is a factory five lug, which is good. So the conversion is yep. not going to be difficult. Doesn't it's not going to require buying wheels or anything else. Cause it's already a five lug car. Cause those Mustangs did apparently come in four and five lug depending on engine options, which I didn't know. So, but it is a factory five lug car. So that'd be an easy swap. Um, but anyway, in getting all that off, we were trying to take the front valance panel off because the front valance panel was in the way of something. I don't remember the bumper was in the way of something. something was in the way of something. It required taking the bumper off the grill assembly out and the valance panel off. So we started to unbolt everything and then quickly realized that the car used to be towed behind a camper. So it has, you know, the rigging set up on the front to hook up to like a, a camper and then plug in the lights to run the taillights and everything, which whoever did it, did it legit. Like, there is a trailer style plug drilled into the front valance. It needs a front valance anyway, so I'm not worried about it because it's all bent. And then that plug is wired into the factory wire harness. So when you plugged it into the RV, it actually ran the factory taillights. So it was. That's interesting. Yeah, it was done very well, whoever did it. But whoever put that tow bar on the front, it has these two giant bolts that go through the front frame rails. Obviously, the Mustang is a unibody car, and it has, you know, kind of like a subframe style frame rails in the front. And it has these two through bolts on each side that hold this, you know, giant, massive tow bar on the front of it. But whoever put it on there also decided that bolts weren't enough, and they welded this half-inch thick plate steel onto the frame. Yeah. And they slapped it not, and said, that's not going anywhere. Yeah, 100%. Definitely is not going anywhere because we went through, I think, four cutting discs trying to get this thing off, and it's not off yet. We just ran out of daylight, time, energy, and cutting discs. Like, it is it is on there. <laughs> so we need to finish getting that off. We did manage to get the bumper off. The valance panel is all unbolted, but unfortunately, at some point, the car was lightly hit in the nose, and the valance panel and this tow bar have kind of become one piece by being jammed together. So we couldn't get the valance panel out without getting, Oh, you know what it was? We tried to hit the battery tray out and the battery tray has a bolt that was stuck behind one of the bumper bracket bolts. So in order to get to that bolt, we had to pull the bumper off in order to pull the bumper off. We had to pull all these other parts off. So it just kind of became this like snowball effect of things coming off the car. But I mean, at the end of the day, all of it has to come off anyway. So it doesn't really matter. So it does need a battery tray because battery trays rust even here in Arizona. Um, well, every bolt, yeah, every bolt we touched came right off except for one battery tray bolt. It is, uh, it is one with the battery tray. There is, it's not coming off. It's going to require a cutoff wheel. So that's slightly annoying, but I mean, it's one bolt out of all of them on a 50, 50 year old car 50 let's say 1968 is what 50 something years old right 73 would be 50 so 55 year old car i guess my math right there i think it is doesn't feel like that old in a car i no, it doesn't feel that old um not like we were there when it was built or anything but they just weren't that old of a car when i remember them you know, I no, when I we were kids, it. they were 30-year-old cars, and that wasn't that old. And yet not even. <laughs> there were like 20-year-old cars. Yeah, they were not. When I was born, this car was, yeah. It yeah. wasn't an antique. It was 13 years old. It was, it was like a used-to-used yeah. used car. Like, it wasn't anything <laughs> spectacular. I think I talked about it on Christmas time. I have that People Christmas were like, ornament. 
nah, man, like, uh, you know, my 1935. 1935 Chevy's name, 68 Mustangs, garbage. Nobody's ever going to restore that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. Same, same (laughs) argument, different time. So, yeah, I think I had the conversation around Christmas time. I have that Christmas ornament that was dated uh, 1994 or 1993, and it's of a 1964 Mustang. And it was like 30th anniversary. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I was like, put on the treatise here. And I was like, wait a second. I've had this ornament for as long as it's been celebrated its anniversary. Oh, <laughs> ooh, yeah. Damn it, that sucks. Anyway, so yeah, it's a fifty-three-year-old car. So the fact that most of the bolts come off without argument is, you know, a testament to a West Coast car. The car did spend time in Massachusetts. I will say that. So it does have some light corrosion here and there, but nothing that's not going to be repairable. The only rust through spots I'm going to have to fix are on top of the inner fenders. And I'm not even sure why it's there. It looks like it's layered metal and probably moisture just got inside there at one point and it just kind of festered and just ate all the way through. Not even all the way through. It's not actually a hole. It's just there's three or four layers of metal there and it's through like the first three layers. So it'll just require cleaning up, welding a patch on it. It's not structural. It's just visual and then painting over it and it'll be fine. So, but that's what we're getting prepared to do is getting ready to put the engine back in it. Um, our friend Joe, who built that 66 Mustang, sold me all of the factory suspension parts that he took out of his car to build the hot rod. So we're going to go through all that, hit most of that stuff with the same black paint. So we're kind of organizing that. A lot of the stuff for a 68 is different than a 66, but a lot of it is also the same. So we'll probably be able to use, I'd say, about half of it, which is pretty good. So... But yeah, that's where we're at with the Mustang. It's now uh, in a place of uh, access, and uh, it's starting to get torn down. And thankfully, Naomi is a very organized individual, and every bolt gets taken off, gets put in its own individual bag, or at least a set of bolts goes in a bag. So when we go to put it back together, we'll know where everything is. And uh, stuff we're not replacing, we'll be able to go back on the car. You know, the list is getting longer as we dig into it, but that's any restoration, right? We're not trying to half-ass this car. We want it to be right, so. Well, yeah, but, like, you know, at a certain point, you just got to go with what you have to get it drivable, and then you can do the other yeah, stuff. Yeah, for, sh- for sure. We're not going to do the whole interior or the paint and body and everything right now. Yeah, you don't want to as- spiral into, like, the f- quote-unquote frame-off, and then it's 10 years down the road. Like, that's not how you want it no, to No, the point of this car is to have it together, you know, before next, you know, it's funny to say that, but the driving season here is fall, winter, spring. So the plan is to have it drivable by fall. Um, there are a few things that we do want. We're taking off the bumper. The, the bumper's bent. The balance panel is, is trashed. You know, we're going to buy a new bumper and balance panel just because it will look better. You know, even if it's the wrong color valence, it'll look better than the trashed, smashed up one. And the bumper is just beyond repair. So we're, we're going to buy those parts. We're going to buy a few things. But anything I'm taking off the car is going to be restored before it's put back on, save for body panels. Because it doesn't make any yeah, sense to put it back on junk. But yeah, we're only uh, taking then... off enough to replace what we're replacing. Yeah, because so. it's it's far more motivating if you get the car to a point where it's running and yep. then you're like, Oh cool. Now I've got a running car. Yep. Now I'm way more motivated to do the cosmetics. So here's, here's the general plan and you can, you know, hold me to this. Any listener can. The general plan is to basically strip the front of the car. So the fenders will be off. Hood will be off. Balance bumper. Front Easier to put the engine right? in. You know, to worry about damaging all that stuff. All of us already damaged anyway. It doesn't matter. But that way I'm able to take and repaint the entire inner structure of the front of the car from the firewall forward. Clean it all up. Make it all new. We'll be able to do all of the suspension parts without, you know, the fenders and everything on the car. It's very easy to get in there and rebuild that whole front end with the steering, the suspension, and the brakes without the fenders on. Um, Then everything's nice and clean and brand new from the firewall forward. Engine goes in. Everything's good. Bolt back on the 
tired-looking fenders, tired-looking hood, tired-looking grill headlight bezels, and the only other stuff happening to the car while it's at that same stage is we're dropping the rear suspension and gas tank. I'm going to do the same treatment to the rear suspension that the front is getting, but we're not restoring the interior, the inner trunk, the quarters, the doors, the roof, everything's staying untouched until all of that mechanical stuff is done. And the only reason we're doing the painting of the underhood stuff is because the engine's going to be out of the car and it will just make everything look nice and fresh and new. And it'll be, it'll be more motivating, I think, to work on something that's nice and fresh and clean and new. So that's, yeah, that's, that's a fine way to do it because I, it's funny people watch these shows on TV and I think they get the wrong impression of like how to restore oh, yeah. a car. And Six like, days. Oh, it's going gonna... yeah. to be stripped down to bare metal and then we're going to paint everything. It's going to be perfect. And then we'll put the engine in it. Yep. It's like, I don't well, know why you the like, biggest, the biggest fallacy of make all it run those first. Shows, yeah. The biggest fallacy of all those shows is you watch their teardown and they just rip everything off the car and throw it in a big pile. And, that's where you wind up getting in trouble because average Joe backyard restorer cannot afford to take everything off the car and throw it in a big pile and not reuse anything. And that's where I think people get in trouble is they just get through this. Like I'm going to tear this car down and that's it. I'm going to do nothing. Next next step will be easy. You know, I see it on gas monkey garage. It takes six days. Life is good. And six years later, they still yeah. have a car sitting there doing nothing now. Listen, I am guilty. I had done that in the past. I, I tore down that motorcycle I was doing and did not know what I was doing and probably shouldn't have. So because of that, it's still in a million pieces. And you know how much nuts and bolts cost? Yeah, they're you not, say it's nut and bolt you? Yeah. Nickel and dime Yeah, nickel and dime. bolts and nickel and dime you. 100%. Stuff's not cheap. Even for a car like a Mustang, where you can buy everything off the shelf, but... It's not cheap to do it. So we're going to keep as much as possible or store as much as possible. The only stuff that we need to need to buy to make the car run is an intake manifold for that Holly that we already have. Um, What's that? 200 bucks? About that. So the other issue was in order to run the fuel, Holly fuel injection, you need a modifier gas tank because yeah. it needs a return line for the fuel injection. It needs you know a different level sender for their like setup and it needs a different pump so i was looking into it and it's about 150 bucks to have a gas tank like dipped and cleaned then it's 200 bucks for the correct fuel pump and there's level sensor this and this line and having the tank welded um you can buy a brand spanking new 1968 mustang gas tank from holly that's already set up with including the pump including all the fittings that you already need to just bolt it into your 68 Mustang to run their Holly sniper, including the tank assembled for $600. Even comes with new straps. So it was, it was at least $500 without any labor just to rebuild the one we have. And I was like, it's 600 bucks. It's brand new. Why, why, why not? (laughs) Like, let's just do this. It doesn't make any sense to do it the other way. So, that's the only thing we're going to replace really in that part of the car is going to be that gas tank. And only because we're running that Holly sniper setup, which requires a different fuel pump and a return line, all that stuff. So, and the car has been sitting for 30 something years. So yeah, I mean, not 30 years, 20, I think it was parked in like 98. So that's 25 years. And then like you can get the car running like, all right, cool. The car runs. Put it in gear, it moves back and forth. You can like go up and down the road. Yep. Up and down your street a little bit. Yep. You'd be like, all right, let's put disc brakes in the front of it. And then yep. you can start driving around or something. 100%. Tires, brakes, call it a day. And I may do the brakes while it's all apart and up in the air rather than do everything twice. So we'll see. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redo all the lines and everything. So I might just do the brakes at the same time. Since you don't have to buy heads. There you go. We had to buy a lot of stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff. There's not the biggest expenditure. Like I said, is going to be the gas tank, the cam, the roller rockers. You can throw like an aluminum radiator in it. Yeah, which is a bolt fan conversion. That's super easy. Yep, I'm debating whether or not we're going to go ahead and do the AC now or later. But it's a factory AC car, so they make a kit that upgrades. Um, 
the factory setup. I'd get it going. Then you can figure out the AC afterwards. Because that yeah. the compressor is probably right on top. Yeah, no, the, the, the compressor is not the issue. Yeah. It's just figuring out what goes under dash and all that stuff. Is it easier before the car's together or not? So I just, I just yeah, don't know. The interior. Listen, Phoenix is... AC is needed here, so... It is needed, but you can get the thing running without the AC first. It's not hard to put in because it's it's like it was it was always ancillary on those cars, so it's not like buried. Yeah. So yeah you it just was do it afterwards. It was like a factory option, this car. Right. But like get the engine in there, get it running, and then the AC's not in the way. That's true too. You can work on it and like make sure it's running right, and you're like, all right, cool. This thing's good. Well, in theory, with this Holly sniper wor- setting, Worst case. Worst case. You get the engine in there, and it's just billowing blue smoke. And you're like, right. I got to take it all the way back out. You don't have the AC in the way. That's true. That you spent a bunch of time putting it back in. So That's true. All right, Andrew. Just saying. Right. <clears throat> yeah. All right, you're right. We'll let it go. We'll let it go. So anyway, so I- I'm excited. It's moving right along. You know, it's it's different working on a project with somebody else who's invested in it because normally it's just me or me and you or me and whoever working on my garbage and the only one to keep the motivation going is me and you know as anybody who's listened to this podcast for the past what seven years knows motivation is not my strong point so it's very interesting working on it with somebody else who's coming into it not as a like dyed in the wool car person who has all these plans of you know all these thoughts and preconceived notions of how the car goes together and how it works. And it's kind of refreshing to just like go into it like this. And well, I'm guessing Jordan, Naomi's son is interested in helping out occasionally. Uh, he is, he's just been busy and the same thing yeah. with her brother, Chad. It's just, it's just, it's just been us so far and I'm not complaining. It is what it is. And honestly, I shouldn't even say it's been us. Like I, I, I'm trying really hard, Andrew, and you're not good at this either. And I'm, I'm sure you know it, but when you're helping somebody in air quotes, uh, you like to take charge and just do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I also have that same issue and I, I don't know if it's because I spent so much time working in cars with you and your dad, but it's like, instead of like sitting back and talking about something and figuring out how to do it, like the person who knows how to do it, just does it. And I'm trying really hard to not be that person with this car and letting her do more of it. Um, but yes, yeah, it is hard to like step back and watch somebody learn how to do something when you already know how to do it. And just be like, I got it in two seconds and here it is five minutes, which is not a big deal, but I'm, I'm genuinely trying to be better at that. So I shouldn't say, well, I found, uh, I'll try to like, and this is sometimes even with, with work stuff. I'm like, all right, can I just like, I'll show you it real quick and then I'll let you do it. Yeah. Like well, I'll, if, if it's like two things to do, like I can show you and then I'll let you do it. And I've been trying to do that more with other stuff. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to do in this situation. So we'll see how that's it also what having a kid teaches you. Cause you're like, you're watching them do stuff. You're like, I could just do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> They're a small child and they need to learn how to do it. God damn it. Kid. You can't write yet. What the hell? Yeah. Come on, man. The, the word is I, yeah, one the, letter the I. Is basic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that puzzle is four pieces, kid. Come on. <laughs> Get together. Yeah, my kid, you, you, your mother's kid. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get it completely. And obviously that's the, the simplest explanation of the, the, of the phenomenon I'm talking about here. But I mean, you know, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners also know, like it's it's really hard sometimes to sit back and watch somebody do something you know how to do. And learn how to do what you know how to do already. So, and that's, it goes for all of us. That's just one of those things. It's, you get in your comfort zone and that's what it is. And, you know, there's different levels. Like you're a, you're a more experienced, talented mechanic than I am. So that's why you do it to me, you know, and I've been working on cars more than she has. And that's why I do it to her. It's just, that's just how it works. So, but nobody learns if we don't teach. Your Zen moment for the day, but anyway, yeah, that, that's the uh, that's the big updates here. I haven't touched my own stuff. We've only been working on the Mustang. Uh, I did finally decide I'm just gonna pull the trigger and buy that ignition module for the Cressida. So 
otherwise I'm never going to do anything. So I'm currently actively looking for the non $500 one. I Did you it. purchase it? Check it any other way? No. So it turns out that there is no other way to check it. Oh, so stupid. Yeah. Anyway, the coil can be checked. The ignition module cannot. So. All right. Yep. Do you um. Anyway, is all the yeah. project car stuff? That's it. That's I again. I've I've washed my cars. I haven't done any project car stuff. All right. You um. Been watching NASCAR. What do we have? We we missed. We didn't get to talk about Richmond yet. No, I didn't really watch Richmond. Yeah, it was kind of an okay race. I didn't really. Wasn't it? It was like eh. I knew I found I, all day. I was trying to find out who won, and I found out who won, and I didn't want to watch the race after that. Yeah, it was like there was a couple of good moves. Like they're moving around. There's some crossovers. Like it was a uh, that's like what a mid. It's not quite a short track, but it's I half think mile. Short, I think Richmond. Uh, Richmond's a short track. It's a half mile know. though. I think that's a half. That's a short track. That's not. That's the shortest track, isn't it? Well, the Coliseum would have been the shortest track, but well, pre Coliseum, I thought Bristol was a quarter mile. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, this, See, whatever. I Casual motorsports Richmond. fan. Richmond was okay. I'm like, whatever. Uh, they were at Dega, Talladega. Yep. This uh, past weekend. Richmond's, yes, Richmond is a three quarter mile. Uh, Talladega was a good race. Talladega was great. Yep. Yeah, no, no complaints about that. I watched the whole race start to finish. Um, enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of good racing. A lot of two wide, not a lot of three wide, but a lot of side by side. Did you see the part? All right, so like, what a Joey Logano like broke a toe link or something or spun. Yep, and had to come back out, and then wasn't up to race speed yet. It was just like I'm just staying in the middle of the track here. And just let just split the pack around him. I was like, "What on earth?" Like, yeah, that was odd. I, I'm that, sure that was like, error. I don't know. They were like, "That was a pretty risky move" because he he did get picked up in the draft. Yeah, he was, well, he's, speed he's getting, up, he's getting picked up in the draft, but I assume he was trying to stay on the outside, but he didn't, obviously. And then there was a couple of moves moving into the pits, like where oh yeah, they like didn't run? yeah. They like couldn't figure it out how to get down out of speed, or it was you had to pit at a certain thing because you were going to run out of gas. Yep. Uh, but if you're on the high line and somebody didn't want to let you down, it was you're like a disaster. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was nowhere to go. So the other thing is, at the end of the race, if you haven't watched it yet, fast forward two minutes, whatever. Um, Kyle Busch won the race, and the only reason he was even in position to win the race is because he either ignored or didn't hear his crew chief say, you're not going to make it to the end of the race. You don't have enough gas. You need to come in under this yellow. And he did not. So when the accident happened, which our boy Bubba was leading, um, and because he's Bubba, you know, the NASCAR world was like, NASCAR fans are like, oh, Bubba crashed again, of course. But I mean, even the commentators during the race were like, he had to make that move. He had, he had to, to make if he had made that move, he's getting passed. Period. End of story. That was that was that the move. move. You either made that move and won the race, or it or crashed. You, crashed. <laughs> yeah, you make that move, you win the race, you're the hero. You make that move, you crash, you're the martyr. So unfortunately, he was the latter. Um but it was a hell of a it was a hell of a move. I was like, oh yeah, sh-. like I started, I was like, he's gonna f- Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's what you said. True emotion, Andrew, true emotion. <laughs> yeah. Um but he came down, and the commentators have been talking all day about how his car had been too loose in you know the close racing, and it was just that's what happened. The car was too loose; he couldn't couldn't chase it enough, and around he went, and the big one happened, and Kerpush was there again to win. But hey, at least it wasn't Larson, right? So, oh, he got Larson got like T-boned at one hundred and eighty miles an hour. Yeah. Hard hit. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to see the man get injured or hurt or killed, but. That was a hard. It looks like his door bar might even have failed. Like by our thing, boy uh, Priest. Yeah, yeah, local Connecticut boy, right? Northeast driver, Ooh, right? They got into each other at Richmond. Like, yeah, did they <laughs> on purpose, or was that a race before that? 
Oh, I, I do remember that happening before. Yeah, there was a little argument, ar- argumentativeness going on. Oh, that but no, that, sorry, that was Bristol. That was just a, you know, the, the Talladega. That was just a racing incident. That wasn't anything. Yeah. I but mean, I was like, oh man, of all people to hit T-bone him, like it. Yeah. The in-car <laughs> it's like camera, basically your arch nemesis. Arch nemesis. Yeah, the in-car camera from Priest's view was pretty obvious. He had nowhere to go. You know, no. he's doing 170, 180 miles an hour, and all of a sudden there's full Camaro in front of him. <laughs> like it was nowhere to go, but it, it was a good race and it was a race right to the finish, you know, and I, I fully enjoyed it. I was pulling for, for Wallace, but it is what it is. He was there. He was ready to win the race. Just didn't quite get there. He's so. good on super speedways. Oh, for sure. He's not a bad driver. You know, all these people talk about him all the time. Like, oh, he's just there for, you know, appearances and this and the other thing. But, the man's finished uh, in the top there. ten, like I think eight races this year. Like that's it's pretty good. Isn't my uh, my track house team? They've been like top tens a bunch. Oh, absolutely. They've been absolutely. front runners. I yep. At a certain point, you're like, oh, maybe Chastain's got it. Or, like, yeah. There was a while Suarez was out there. Suarez led like twenty laps or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was a good race. There was a lot of. There were a lot of names out front. It wasn't just was not a one horse race for sure. So I fully enjoyed it. But anyway, you you got a little uh, famous this week, Andrew. Oh, yeah, whatever. You want to talk about that? I mean, I don't know. We voiced our I'm conflicted because I like cheap racing. Sure. Maybe I don't like the way Lemons does it. But we want we want cheap racing. We don't want cars ruined for gimmicks. And that's what your whole point was. My whole point was I'm super salty about this one particular car. For for those who don't know, there was a a take was posted between Andrew and I privately. And then Andrew put it on the Twitters. uh, And then it's still kind of private there because only people we know. Right. Essentially. And then yeah, I have a public Twitter account. I mean, I told you, I was like, it's Friday. I was like, let's fight some people. Yeah. (laughs) And I got what I wanted. Yeah, you did, because you wound up being featured on the Autopian website this week. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they pulled your tweet. Uh, Jason Torjinski did, and uh, he's not happy about it. But you know what? Twitter's for opinions. So let's have opinions. Who am I but a man with opinions? Right. If, Twitter, if it wasn't for opinions, Twitter wouldn't exist. So yeah, I'm allowed is, to have an opinion. 100%. That's my opinion. Now, my opinion differs from his, and your opinion differs from his. And our anger was over this. We happen to know the facts. It was a 30,000 mile flat body Starion, 83 first year, you know, hood vents, the hood scoop, the different taillights, the folding mirrors, all the stuff you want in 83. Car's gorgeous, beautiful. And they justify cutting it up and turning it into a race car because, oh, the original owner was okay with it. Well, maybe he was, but there's other cars out there you could have done it with. And then to make matters worse, it reemerged this year as a back to the future tribute car with a fake nose cone on it. That makes it look like a actual DeLorean. Um, and uh, eagle eyed friend of the podcast, Ron actually pointed out that that is a first gen Cavalier nose cone. Oh yeah. So anyway, nonetheless, it's interesting. The lines do look like a DeLorean. A hundred percent like a DeLorean. That's why when everybody's talking about that new, Hyundai concept coming out and saying, or Hyundai concept coming out and saying, oh, it looks like a DeLorean. I was like, it looks like a Starion. Because it looks yeah. to me more like a Starion. But everybody's like, no, nah, it looks like a DeLorean. And I'm like, they're kind of the no. same design. That's it. But that new Hyundai looks more like a Starion. No, so. because the Hyundai looks more like the Jajaro, man. Exactly. Which is why I like the flat body Starions. A, they drive better because they're narrower and they're more tossable. And B, they are the original, you know, Starion design, the original designer wanted. My other hot take I got crap for was the 944. So apparently, if you want to get engagement, you have to post uh, spicy takes about things you don't like. It's the equivalent. If I post a cool picture, nobody cares. Yeah. It's the equivalent of the uh, like gotcha lines on YouTube videos, right? Like, you won't believe what happened when I post yeah. this about a 944. But yeah, you're also, you're not, listen, I own the 944, so I have a horse in the race here with this one, and I don't disagree with your take. It's not the be-all, end-all car. I, you I personally think Starions are better. 
But yeah, we already had the conversation on the air here, I think. I also think Starion's a better. I've owned five of them. I'll I own another one. I think I have in my Twitter profile it says Mitsubishi Apologist. So I'm going to be upset that you ruined Mitsubishi. My Instagram says that, yes. Uh, so. And, you know, it's like, I think even our Discord was like 50 50. Yep. Yep. It is what it is. Listen, it's a good car. I like it. I fit in it better than you do for some reason. Our shape's just a little bit different, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, you give me two equal condition cars for similar money. I'm buying the stereo. So anyway, I think that's a podcast, Andrew. Let's get more to talk about. I think we've. I don't. So anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Race and Anger, yeah. or on the uh, Utopian, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Auto Off Topic has a Twitter. Uh, parked on the block, minus the K. Has a Twitter, go find us there. Go yep. follow us on Instagram. Go to the website. We've been posting some cool stuff. Uh, I thought that Volkswagen uh, Brasilia that's for sale down in Florida was really, really cool. Yeah, I want one of those. There's a bunch of those here in town because you can buy them in Mexico. Yeah. So if you have me, I mean, I, I don't, I think that was a good take on that. That to me, I was like, well, man, if, if they'd allowed the air cool to continue here, that's probably what it would have been. Yep, 100%. I agree 100%. Anyway, basically an air-cooled golf. Yep. So. Uh, yes, yeah, so follow us there. Uh, out off topic on Instagram. I say it on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Race and Anger. Brad, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram, TSISS350. You can also find me on Twitter, where I'm a little less active, but I am there at DeSantis underscore Brad. All right, cool. And parked on the block. As always. Yeah, as always. Keep guys analog and aim for the roses.